blessings from our Lord Jesus Christ. You are listening to the Claycomo Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today is Sunday, May the 15th, 2022. Pastor Scott Gordon continues his lengthy series of healthy habits with location, 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 discussing where worship can and should take place in every day, on every day, in every situation. Now to Pastor Scott. All right, I invite you to open your Bible with me and turn to Psalm 122. We'll be largely in the Psalms this morning. We'll have some other verses to connect with as well. As we continue our study in healthy habits for our spiritual strength, both gathered as the church and in our individual lives as well, as we hopefully continue to grow in our understanding that these truths that we find aren't just all about us for us by ourselves. I think we start talking about spiritual habits of Bible study and, and prayer and, and, and worship and, and these different things that we think about, well, what about me? How, do, how does that benefit me? And, and that's natural, and that's understandable to a point as well. But we need not lose focus that we have been called into a body of believers. We've been called into fellowship with the saints, called to be a part of God's kingdom. And all of those things just continue to grow our connection points and our opportunities to be blessed and to be a blessing to others as well. In fact, we're going to revisit as we even get started in, in this morning, continuing to look at the habit of worship and location, location, location. I know that sounds almost like a bad TV commercial. It's, you know, it's all about where your business is, where you're going to live, and, and all of these kinds of things. And, and speaking of returning to something that may be familiar that we feel like we've heard before, we're going to return back to the woman at the well talking with Jesus. In John chapter 4, we, we seem to not get far away from this encounter. And I think it's, it's for a reason. I think this is a very important opportunity for us as the people of God to understand the call of God on our lives because the conversation that Jesus has with this woman hits on so many areas that are central to our lives as believers. And so we find ourselves being reminded in this conversation that he has about the significance of evangelism. And the equipping of evangelism is a transformed life, much more than it is knowing some kind of program or process to communicate the gospel. It is also about worship, because that is, I believe, a legitimate question that she asks, because she's confused. First of all, how can you, a Jew, be talking to me, a Samaritan woman? This is not supposed to happen. I mean, especially we're by ourselves, and even in our day and time, that's not supposed to happen. What was Jesus thinking? And yet the conversation that develops out of all of these questions is a beautiful picture of what God has called us to be, where he has called us to go, and what he has provided for us. So we look down into John chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. Here's her question. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors 
worship on this mountain. But you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Now, returning to that, we're going to branch off, though, in a different direction. We're not going to talk about worship in spirit and truth. We've covered that ground. If you happen to miss it, I know it's archived on our YouTube channel. I would invite you to go back and check out that time in God's Word together there. But we're going to, to move in another direction and say, listen, worship is not about geographic location exclusively, as though one site is more significant than the other. Growing up, if you will, as a youth pastor in Oklahoma, we had a camp, and still do for that matter, known as Falls Creek. And you had six to eight weeks uh, of youth camp throughout the entire summer. And seemingly for students, youth in our churches, that was the place you go to get saved. I mean, that was your testimony. That was one of the coolest. I got saved at Falls Creek. Now, I'm not belittling that, but the idea that having to focus on a place to make that known or to respond to Christ is unnecessary. You know, it, it's even like some others in another religious group think that independence is the place. If you know what I'm talking about, you've heard that before. You know, as Southern Baptists, we could be accused of saying, well, Nashville is the place. It's where we're headquartered, you know, in all of these things. You know, it's not as though those locations are more significant than this location here in Clay Como or your very house. From the church house to our individual homes. It is, however... Rather than about a geographic location, it is about our Lord's provision for and expectation of our worship of Him. Both as we are gathered together or on our own. That's what I want us to look at today. When I'm talking about location, I'm talking about two aspects of our life of worship. When we think about celebrating. When we think about singing his praise, when we think about just exclaiming the truth in worship, whether it be in prayer, whether it being a shout of hallelujah, that aspect of our lives as an expression of worship as we are gathered together as the body of Christ. And then in our own personal lives each and every day. Let's begin with the aspect of worship together. That's why we're in Psalm 120, 122, almost said 121. It's really easy to get into Psalm 122 through about uh, 130 something. And I'm going to forget that number. I should have written it down. But this collection of Psalms right here, towards the latter third of, of the entire book of the Psalms, these Psalms right here are called Songs or Psalms of Ascent. Now, I've covered this ground before. What does that mean? That means the worship time for us in the car on the way to church. Quite literally. You think, that's not a time for worship. That's a time for me to be upset with other drivers, with the rain that I had to drive through this morning, whatever it else. There's so many distractions. But this is absolutely what took place as the... Jewish people left their homes to go to synagogue, to go to the temple. They were singing, especially in temple worship, as they ascended the hill. They were worshiping before you were supposed to worship. How many of us avail ourselves of that opportunity? 
Because here is the response of the psalmist here. David, Psalm 122 verse 1 says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now I know on days like this it's easy to go, Lord, why today can I just stay in bed? I mean, it's rainy outside, it's dark. I mean, I know most all of us, myself included, kind of stumbled through the door this morning a little bit, maybe. You know, that's a fact of life. We ought to be intentional to set our hearts to say, I rejoiced with those who said to me. Let's go to the house of the Lord. Now, why can or why should we look forward to worship together? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Because in Psalm 22, verse 22, we read these words. It says, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. A primary reason we can and should look forward to worshiping together is to be able to encourage one another. To be able to encourage one another. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. So, a reason we look forward to is so that we can encourage others. You say, hey, but wait. And, and let me even put a hey, wait on the hey, wait. And say this. If we all come to worship, to Sunday school, ready to bless somebody else, to encourage them, to proclaim the goodness of our God to them, then you best get ready to be encouraged yourself. You see, we usually look at it the other way. I'm going to go to church so somebody can bless me. So that God can bless me. I need this or I need that. And the psalmist says here, hey, as I go, I am prepared to bless others. I'm prepared to proclaim the goodness and greatness of our God. And if we all came like that, if we're all going to share the blessing of God, there's got to be somebody to receive it and to hear it and to respond to it. And guess what? That's all the rest of us. It'd be nice for us to have to stand in line to be a blessing to others and to receive a blessing, wouldn't it? rather than all standing in line to just be blessed. It's a challenge. It's also a comfort. That is the purpose for which we come together, is to find that opportunity. And I love what is said in Psalm 40, verses 9 and 10. Just kind of, as I was reading through these and, and looking for biblical texts, and it just centers in the psalm. When you talk about worship, you just can't help but you know, hang out in the psalms. Listen to this. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. See, I do not keep my mouth closed. As you know, Lord. I just had to stop there. I don't know about you. That strikes me as funny. You know what? God, you know I just can't keep my mouth shut. The good news is, is I can't keep my mouth shut about proclaiming the glory of God. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. See, I do not keep my mouth closed. As you know, Lord, I did not hide your righteousness in my heart. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I did not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. Man, that, that is a, a, a blessed privilege. Again, if we all come that direction, then we find ourselves, you going, that's Old Testament. Here's my deal. Old Testament is the, you know, 
for everything we do. But the New Testament is so often a very beautiful echo of the Old Testament. Why? Because God is the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Alpha and Omega. Our great God is the forever God. He is right now. He has always been and always will be. And so we find echo in the New Testament. These words, we talked about them last week, Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Here's another opportunity for us to say thank you to our worship team for admonishing and encouraging us this morning. It is that recognition that the worship time is about encouragement. It is also about a challenge and a correction because there are times like this morning that we may come dragging in and going, if I have to sing, y'all are going to be you know, in for not a treat this morning. But it is as we are singing that we find the correction to our attitude that if we may be dragging or if we may be like I have been over the last couple of days just fired up about the garbage that is going on in our world, we find the correction to say, don't stay focused here. Focused on the greatness and goodness of God. You can continue on through all of the darkness. You have hope. You have help. You have an assurance. That our God can provide. You see, even Ephesians chapter 5, 18 through 20, I'm not going to read those, but that's a direct echo of Colossians 3, 16. It's interesting, Paul continues to encourage various churches, groups of Christians gathered together in a relationship, assembling together with the very same truth all the way through. I, you know, if, if God says it one time, it's important. God reemphasizes means we may have a challenge and struggle with it. And so we do well to remind ourselves that it's easy to slip into a complacency. It's easy to forget my privilege of being able to bless somebody else. And in that, somebody else is ready to be a blessing to me. And find that mutual encouragement. Let me say a word about together. The writer of the main book that I'm using for this, Don Whitney, a professor at Southern Seminary. I mentioned him either last week or a couple weeks ago. When I told his, you know, sorrowful story about the basketball game and his birthday and all of that stuff. That he mentioned as we introduced worship, so it would have been a couple of weeks ago. But we find he, again, just starts off this section talking about the expectation of worship and the opportunity of being able to worship gathered together here and wherever we are personally. We're going to get to the personally here in just a minute. But he says, remember that we are called to gather. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25, really focuses us on that aspect of, in verse 19, saying, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, and it goes on to show the setting by which we are called to and the privilege that we have to gather together in this way, says in verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing. You see, we can have habits of neglect as much as we can have habits of activity. That's why I have felt it is important since the beginning of this year to encourage and to challenge us as a church as well as individuals to strengthen these healthy habits for 
our spiritual lives. Because we can come into this very word habit is the word that I'm using throughout this entire series. It is the word ethos. It is that, that way of thinking. It is that, that kind of common standard operating mindset. So our habit ought to be doing the will of God and not neglecting. It says they're not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but instead encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so we have this wonderful privilege of encouraging one another. We must, as this text says, consider one another. The challenge for me, the challenge for us today, I believe, is this. Do we? I know it seems like I'm beating a specific drum throughout this, but it is a, a, a painful reminder for me. Do I come to church ready to think of others, or do I come to church only thinking about me? It says that we must gather together. Listen, are we like the psalmist in Psalm 122, verse 1, rejoicing for somebody to say, let's go to church? Are we ready to gather together consistently, habitually, committedly? And then we must be encouraging one another. The question I ask all of us is, will we encourage each other? Or could we be in, inclined to a, an apathy? It says, oh, I'm just not going to bother. They, they already know. Or, and I pray that's never the case, are we more inclined to tear somebody down? It's a temptation or it is a potentiality. And while I don't believe it happens, I would be naive to say that it couldn't. And so we need to be careful in those ways. We need to be intentional in these ways to be ready as the writer of Hebrews encourages his brothers and sisters in that day and time. We also ought to do the same with each other. As we think about this, we're right here if you still got your Bibles open. Psalm 123 is another song of ascents. And it is both funny, ironic, and painfully convicting and yet wonderfully comforting when I read these words. I lift my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven, like a servant's eyes on his master's hand, like a servant girl's eyes on her mistress's hand. So our eyes are on the Lord our God until he shows us favor. Show us favor, Lord, show us favor, for we've had more than enough contempt. We've had more than enough scorn from the arrogant, and contempt from the proud. I don't think anybody's ever felt like that. Oh, come on. Not one of us hasn't at some point. Lord, I need you. Wonderful song. I'm not going to sing it. Like I, my one solo a year happened last week, and, and that was it. And thankfully, you turned it into a not-so-long solo, so good. Last week, thank you very much. But look at that picture. Look at 
that need in the psalmist's life. Lord, we need you. Show us favor. We've had, why? More than enough contempt. And it's all around us. As we read in Matthew 24 this morning in our Sunday school class, from the days of Noah to this very day, there's enough contempt for the people of God to last us more than a lifetime. So, prepare for worship, the need to gather for worship, and the need for personal worship. Let me ask you a question. You know, the, these all-electrical vehicles are becoming the hot new thing. I mean, with prices of fuel and everything else and stuff. Where do you charge these things? <laughs> now, that did immediately come to mind, too. Because I go to IV Liberty, and there's the whole row of Tesla-branded chargers right there next to the street where you turn into the parking lot. So, yes, IV and any other, there's numerous different places, as well as, and I'll make the case that the primary place where these vehicles are charged is at home. Those other places are good and helpful, but the primary place, those who own all electric vehicles, charge them, is at home. Folks, it may be an analogy fraught with problems, but here's my understanding of that. We do ourselves a huge disservice if we do not recharge ourselves through worship at home. If you are not worshiping at home, is it any wonder you're not ready for worship on Sunday morning? And I could blame shift that one to the writer of the book because he said it first. At least that's what I'm going to go with. But it's a, it's a poignant challenge. Is it any wonder sometimes that we're not ready for worship because we don't have a habit of worship in our daily lives? I've reached to, as I mentioned Wednesday night to, to our crew, we did kind of a name that tune worship set. And it went from modern to, you know, way back. I mean, it went from uh, George Beverly Shea to this group that I've really gotten into in recent days called Maverick City Music. Looking forward to going to a concert of theirs here the end of June, uh, coming up very soon in that. They have some wonderfully encouraging music. And I have found myself more blessed by trying to catch up and learn their music. And in the midst of quite just listening to that, being reminded of some very important truths. As I'm driving my car, as I'm sitting in my office, as I'm working in the yard in all these things. Now, those aren't always really great focus times of worship while you're driving or while you're mowing, trying not to make sure you hurt yourself, run over the plants so you don't get in trouble. I mean, whatever it might be. In all of that, that being said, developing even that little bit of a habit has been a blessing to me. And it reminded me of this important truth of how significant personal, personal worship is. I invite you to open your Bible to Psalm 139. Think about this. Before we get into the text here in Psalm 139. 
A quote from Don Whitney in his book, it'll be on the screen, says this, Think of it. The Lord Jesus Christ is willing to meet with you privately for as long as you want, and he is willing and even eager to meet with you every day. Even the disciples in Jesus' day of his earthly ministry didn't have quite that level of connection, and not everybody had that level of connection, just a small group. We have this wonderful promise. Let's even call it the privilege of personal worship. That the God who created us, our Lord who saved us, is ready and willing to meet with us every single day that we live. How cool would it have been to hang out with Jesus when he was walking on this earth every day for as long as we wanted without being interrupted by any other person getting in our way, stealing our time and, and our opportunity there. We all have that same privilege and opportunity for as long as we want each and every day that we live, no matter where we are. That's the privilege. And it only gets better. We think of that idea of the privilege. Where's the precedent? There, there's got to be a biblical example for personal worship. And there are many of them. But to go back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, heads us down that direction. It is, starts in verse 4 about words that are familiar. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And through that introductory aspect of talking about the beautiful truth of who God is, it says these words in the end of verse 6, these words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. And then beginning with verse 7, we see the opportunity that unfolds for personal worship. Repeat them to your children. And you say, my children may not be home. I don't have any children at home. I've never had children. But if you are like me, you often talk to yourself when you're at home by yourself. Because listen to this. There's this opportunity that is, is given in a family context and in a personal context to think of these words that God has given us and talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. So there is definitely a biblical precedent for us to have a heart of worship and to set aside for ourselves and for our homes a time of worship. Not only is there the privilege, anytime, place, Jesus says, I'll meet with you. There's a precedent. We see it in the Old Testament here. We can find various other places. But there's also a beautiful promise of personal worship. Think about John, John the Apostle. He had it both good and he had it rough. What did he do when the times got rough? What, did, what do we mean by rough? Well, we, we know his story. Let me remind you, just in case. He spent, you know, three years with Jesus. He saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. He saw the tomb where he had been. Jesus ascended and said, what? Go. He kept going. He kept sharing. So much so that it got him in trouble. It got him exiled. And as if exile's not bad enough, exiled to an island. Hey, dude, go hang out there. The island of Patmos. 
as he's hanging out there, the punishment for the culture in which he lived, not wanting to hear what he had to say. No other fellowship around him that he speaks of. So I'll go with the fact that it wasn't available to him. What did he do? Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. I, John, your brother and partner in the affliction, kingdom, and endurance that are in Jesus, and he knew all of that, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. What did John do while hanging out in exile on the Lord's day? He gathered himself for worship. I was in the Spirit. I was focused spiritually on the Lord's day. And I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet. And then we'll stop there because we get distracted by some really fun stuff. But it's not the primary focus. Here's the beautiful promise. What Jesus has said we see lived out. And John knew the blessed presence of the Spirit in his life and a focus on the worship of God to sustain him wherever he was. Then finally, on personal worship, I want to think about the preciousness of it. That's where I get to Psalm 139. It's another Psalm of David. Since this is in the hymnal of the people of God, was it sung when they gathered corporately? Most likely, sure. Now, you think about long songs. One of the groups I just mentioned a minute ago, some of their songs are really long. 15 minutes long kind of stuff. We go, can you imagine the day in the worship service of Israel when it was time to sing Psalm 119? I mean, that's, that, that's, I don't know, what is that, a two-hour song uh, in worship? I don't know. It's 170-plus verses in one song. I'm sure they broke it up into sections. But these are also opportunities for personal worship. In the beginning of Psalm 139, we see the wonderful confession of David's relationship with the God who loved him, who'd called him into that relationship. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, you know when I stand up. He confesses the presence of God and, and the greatness of God. And we see that all the way through verse 12. There's, there's nowhere he can go to be away from God's presence. And that leads him to a wonderful expression of worship and a confession of comfort it says in verse 13 and 14 for it was you who created my inward parts you knit me together in my mother's room I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made and your works are wondrous and I know this very well see how personal that is even as we gather, there is an, an understanding, and it is okay for us to understand the personal application of Scripture to our lives as we share it corporately with one another. But I tell you, there's so many times that I'm blessed when I'm by myself and this Scripture comes to mind, or that song about this Scripture or that Scripture comes to mind. He continues on and comes to a, 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 a wonderful another conclusion based on these truths in verse 17 and 18. God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast their sum is. 
If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. I mean, it is wonderful opportunity to be reminded of the blessings of God. And so that personal worship ought to be a precious time that we often participate in. As much as we read and memorize scripture, as we spend time in prayer, we need to spend time personally in worship. So we come to the conclusion of our time together this morning. And just think about the location of worship. Location meaning gathered. And when we are scattered into our individual lives on our daily basis. There's a wonderful psalm that I learned, well, what would most likely be either in the New American Standard or the NIV back in the day. Psalm 8 verse 1, the first part of the verse, as well as Psalm chapter or Psalm chapter, Psalm 8, verse 9. Why is that? Because they say the same thing. They say this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, if you're hearing that and you want to break out into a song, that's understandable. O Lord, our Lord. And say, I lied, and I'm singing again. How majestic is your name in all the earth. And when we were talking last Wednesday night, this is the Michael W. Smith praise song. He's the one who wrote the rest of those lyrics there. I didn't use that as we talked about various worship songs last Wednesday. It's a beautiful reminder. Wherever we are, and the rest of those verses between verse 1 and verse 9 in Psalm 8 just confirm the reason why he is worthy of our praise, worthy of our Oh, you've created, you, you've, you, you've designed us for a relationship with you. There's a difference between us and the angels, and there's so much that is so beautiful in all that God has done that we dare not, and, and we rob ourselves of the wonderful blessing if we consider our worship lives to be confined to this space here and this time every week alone. So let's make it intentional. Let's go from this place ready to worship Monday night at home. Tuesday morning before you head off for the day's activities to school. Those opportunities for us are not to be thought of as mere disciplines that I just have to do. But it is the opportunity for the God who says, I will meet with you anywhere, anytime, for us to avail ourselves of that privilege. You're listening to the Clay Cullen Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Clay Cullen, please visit us online www.claybap.org